electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Future's pretty steady. A day after hitting Dow 34K for the first time, uh, Morgan Stanley helping us wrap up this busy week of earnings. Ten-year yield 157 is coming off of that five-week low. Our roadmap begins with Wall Street's record run. Stocks on track for another bounce at the open as the Dow does close above 34,000 for the first time. Plus, Morgan Stanley had a strong earnings beat, but the investment bank disclosing a $911 million loss. That is linked to the meltdown of Archegos Capital. And pulling the plug on Robinhood, why regulators in Massachusetts are moving to revoke its broker-dealer license. Carl. Guys, it's a good day to sort of take stock at the levels that we're at here, Jim, in terms of the market. Uh, Not only are 96 percent of the S&P above their 200-day, that's the highest percentage going back at least 20 years. B of A's got this chart out this morning, Jim, uh, looking at year-on-year gains and the 76 percent from the March lows is the third best ever going back a century. Look, we have a week's of earnings, and I know one week is not enough, but I'm struggling to find companies that did not report unbelievably good numbers. I mean, last night was Alcoa and PPG. These are classic industrials. They were amazing. The day before, United Health, just an extraordinary number, really igniting the healthcare group. Uh, Morgan Stanley, you know, if you look at wealth management, actually, if you look at every line other than the one that I think David's going to discuss, which he should, uh, you see another company that gave you a Goldman Sachs-like number. Uh, even Bank of America, which sold down, I think reported a fantastic number, but needs higher rates. David, you have to admit, uh, these stocks that looked expensive, the price earnings multiples after we see these numbers may not be as expensive as we thought. Okay, then why have they not responded particularly well? And listen, we all know the financials have had a good run since, let's call it November. But, Jim, uh, when it comes to earnings, they don't seem other than Goldman, which has had a very good year. So it did respond positively. I, you know, I don't know what the moves have been off the earnings, but they haven't been overly impressive, have they? Well, I had thought. Uh, that many of them would act like J.P. Morgan. I thought that the reason why we they've gotten where they were is because of these quarters. And then I'd see profit taking. Uh, that is what happened at J.P. Morgan. But take a look at Wells Fargo. I mean, Wells Fargo was literally, again, not as bad as we used to be. Uh, Goldman Sachs, you got to take the earnings up to, I mean, they're going to do $43. So I think, David, I expected the group to start the season off uh, with profit taking after the run they've had. And instead, we got stabilization and go up. And I think that may be enough uh, for some of us who are quite worried about the uh, at the altitude that we're at. David, it's not that bad. And maybe that's what the key is to me. It, the stocks didn't sell off. Right. Although in Morgan Stanley's case, so let's just talk about some of it right now. I mean, Jim, what you know, again, we were talking about Goldman Sachs. They're not the same firm. 
Uh, obviously, they own E-Trade, no. investment management, more, certainly more important. Institutional securities, by the way, though, still did see net revenues up 66 percent. Um, but what's an appropriate multiple here? Well, I mean, are, you, are you starting to get a sense for what an appropriate multiple is? Morgan Stanley perhaps gets a bit higher because there's this belief of the recurring streams as a result of wealth management's importance overall. But nonetheless, I'm sort of curious as to where you come out here. 15 multiple. I think this is the one that has the least risk. That's the least episodic. Uh, I also think, by the way, if they play eat trade right, they can take a lot of business from what is more and more looking like a renegade firm, which is Robinhood. And we're going to talk about Robinhood in Massachusetts. But the idea that perhaps a, a state, Massachusetts has been aggressive periodically with securities, that a state can basically say that those guys shouldn't be in it. Say, well, where do they go? I think they go to E-Trade, David. So I like what Gorman's got going, and I think he deserves the highest multiple in the group because he's got a business that I think is the stickiest and the least episodic, and that's what matters. Carl, when you look at what's going on with these earnings, uh, you realize that we spend so much time talking about uh, Coinbase, and we spend a lot of time talking about uh, even Dogecoin, which I think is a complete waste of coin. Uh, But (laughs) these companies are where uh, hundreds of thousands of people are working, And they're doing really well. And let's not forget, they're being paid a lot. Uh, It's then uh, then it goes into housing starts, which are very good. It goes into autos, which are very good. And it makes the economy very flush without a lot of debt. And, Carl, we're used to thinking that Americans overpay, overspend, go out too much. And instead, what we really have, we have a a, a country that is uh, very solvent. Now, are we 18 percent growth solvent? No, and I think we do have to talk about China. China's bigger than Bitcoin. I know that's hard to believe that anything's bigger than Bitcoin. <laughs> but wow, Carl, we're doing pretty well without borrowing a lot of money. Yeah, uh, certainly retail sales, Jim, uh, would back that up. And I know Morgan Stanley uh, yesterday said on the heel of uh, retail sales, first half GDP they think is going to average 9.6. First half, 9.6. And certainly as far as the consumer goes, that's what Brian Moynihan talked about uh, on Closing Bell uh, last night. Take a listen. And if you look at the first part of April, that growth rate continues. So that bodes well for the recovery as long as the vaccine uh, 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 virus track uh, continues on and as long as people get vaccinated and economies open. You're seeing even before that happens, you know, through March and now through the first couple of weeks in April, you're seeing the growth at a 10 percent plus rate, which is very strong. Uh, Jim, we'll get to some of the individual names today on the on the uh, sell side, but McDonald's gets a price target increase. Simon Property gets an upgrade. I know you talked to AEO last night uh, as the consumer wants to buy oh. not just clothes, but clothes in person. Yes, I mean, look, one of the things that's happened is, is that it's so clear that the mall, the mall was pronounced dead. And yet when I talk to American Eagle Outfitters, I'm getting a view that it's there are certain stores in the mall that are de- definitely dead. But here's a company. This stock is up 71 percent year to date. American Eagle Outfitters. And they have the right clothes for the environment. And you pay attention to a man by the name of Jay Schottenstein. Jay Schottenstein may be. Um, David, I know that this is a tall order and I know that someone has to please cover their ears. The Mickey Drexler of this generation, David. Really? That's uh, all right. That's that's high praise. I think well, you can say we don't have uh, a Mickey Drexler. We got to have something. Well, we How still have Mickey. We still Mickey have we no, still have Mickey Drexler. I think he's probably out there watching no, right no, now. No, but going, I'm saying hey, he's I'm still right, here. American, What's the problem? I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I running a company. 
CEO. Yes, understood. Look, I think Mickey's the best. Mickey, I mean, Stitch Fix may dress you, David. Mickey dressed me. Mickey. Understood. And uh, I, and, and his, yes, his period Mickey's during probably, the gap I don't and sort of setting feelings, styles for many Americans for yeah. a long period of time. And That's then it. great success That's, at J. Crew until, uh, of course, they didn't have great success. But, uh, that's interesting that you feel that. All right. Um, I do. I do. I feel And so that. it's sustainable. Uh, the gap. You know, I'm because, talking about the gap. Because, no, I know. But when you talk about American yes. Eagle and Shanstein, you, you think it's sustainable. In other words, you know, fashion is tough, Aerie, right? You think it, division, they, they can keep ahead of it. I, I think Aries real. I think you can be in a couple billion dollar run rate. Um, I knew as soon as I said that, Mickey Drexler, you would get defensive. And you know what? Probably that's why I said it, because I feel like the whole week we've been very simpatico and I had to lob a few bombs. <laughs> Guys, you know, uh, I know we, we, we went through Morgan Stanley, but I do want to just come back to what we talked about at the top of the show, Carl, briefly here. We can talk about it a bit more. But they did, of course, uh, Jim, uh, suffer a $911 million loss from Archegos. They, they, now, they didn't tell yeah. us at the time, unlike Nomura, which put a statement out $2 billion, unlike Credit Suisse, which eventually admitted $4.7 billion, at least that's what we think the total was. Of course, they still continue to sell some stock prior to even giving us that number. Uh, but Gorman did comment on it um, on the call. Uh, and here's what he more or less said. It resulted in a net loss of $644 million. That represents the amount the client owed us under the transactions. They failed to pay that back. Uh, and we made a management decision to completely de-risk the remaining smaller, long and short positions. He went on to say we thought that was the best, uh, you know, re- reduce risk as rapidly as possible. And so doing, they had another $267 million loss. Now, it, it is in some contrast to Goldman Sachs, which doesn't seem to have suffered much there, perhaps moving more quickly to just get those default documents ready. Uh, for the second it was happening, and then, boom, selling him out. At the same time, Morgan Stanley was the lead underwriter, of course, of what may have caused, in part, the entire implosion to begin with, that uh, that stock sale at Viacom of, at $85 a share. Interesting, of course, prime broker getting ready at Morgan Stanley to sell stuff out. At the same time, uh, they're selling stock that they thought originally Archegos might actually step up to buy a lot of. Of course, that ended up not being the case. Um, there is a firewall there, although you have to believe at the senior levels of management, they certainly knew what was going on in capital markets and in the prime brokers, Jim. Very interesting. Yeah, look, I, this is uh, this is the disaster that keeps giving, David. I yeah. mean, I, I was shocked at the nine hundred eleven million. I, I had thought that Morgan Stanley acted with alacrity, but uh, this thing was just a, a disease. It was a pandemic. This guy. Remember, this was the guy who had the mental quarantine, David. And there's still people who want to give him money. Julian Robertson says he's willing to give him money. Well, you know what? He should give him money so he can repay Morgan Stanley. Uh, yeah, I, the losses, I mean, we can, you know, it's almost a billion at Morgan Stanley, two billion at Nomura, 4.7 billion at Credit Suisse. And then there are many other firms that haven't, maybe the numbers aren't quite as large, but this was just a complete and total disaster. And as you say, I like it mentally quarantined. Something went very wrong here. Right. Uh, and Carl, we're still, right. we're still digging on it. JP Morgan was totally on to the guy. JP Morgan. Totally yeah. onto the guy. You think Not so? I don't like what they were doing. They didn't just uh, get they, lucky. They, they didn't just get lucky. Yes. They really did put it through the risk management and said, well, nah, this is not the guy. I, I, well, I don't know. All right, maybe. Well, they could be. I'm sure they'll say, David, of course. Maybe, maybe JP Morgan's. They're joshing me. No, David, they didn't do. They were, I mean, they didn't do business with him. I'm just saying it's, it's nice to say, oh, yeah, we definitely knew. Because he was, you know, it was. They got lucky. I like that. And they didn't, they didn't trust Madoff. They got lucky on that. Boy, Jamie Dimon gets lucky. He's lucky, lucky Jamie. You think, he was making, Jamie. you think he was making decisions on this guy? Really? 
You think it came up to him? Maybe. Oh. Maybe. No, no, he's busy at home. I don't know. He's, they leave him out of the loop. What do you want me to say? No, you, you may be right. But you may be I'll right. I don't know. I haven't talked to Jamie about it. You haven't? No. Why not? Maybe he'll call me now. Why not? I don't know. All right. I'll talk to him in a while. Carl, David's very, dis- he's being very disputatious today. <laughs> David is calling. Guys, we are getting some breaking news this morning out of Treasury. For that, we're going to turn to our Elon Moy. Hey, Elon. Carl, the Treasury Department is keeping China on a watch list of countries with questionable currency practices, but it is not labeling China a currency manipulator. Remember, the Trump administration had imposed that designation on China back in 2019 and then lifted it during the final stages of the trade negotiations. Today, Treasury officials said they still have significant concerns about the impact of China's practices on U.S. workers. They called for greater transparency around its foreign exchange intervention, the mechanisms that are used and particularly the relationships with state-owned banks. And they said that China continues to merit close attention. Now, in addition to China, 10 other countries are also on that monitoring list. Ireland and Mexico were added this year. But Treasury did not formally label any country as a currency manipulator, even though it said that Vietnam, Switzerland and Taiwan met that criteria. Treasury said that the pandemic made it difficult to assess their policy changes and that it is working closely with all three countries. Guys, back to you. Wow, that's interesting, uh, Elon. We'll come back to you on that, I'm sure, uh, in the hours and days to come. That's your Elon Moy in Washington, D.C. We'll take a break here. Futures look pretty good as the Dow is going for its fourth week higher. We'll get to some of the upgrades, as we mentioned, uh, our parent Comcast, UAL, Cisco, Simon Property. Wells says the home builders are just getting started on a day with some housing data. Back in a moment. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Massachusetts regulators seeking to revoke Robinhood's registration as a broker-dealer in that state. In a follow-up filing to an earlier complaint, they accused the firm of continuing, quote, a pattern of aggressively inducing and enticing trading among its customers. Robinhood has filed a complaint of its own against the regulators. Jim, we know that Massachusetts is aggressive relative to other states, but there's some other cross-currents, too, including some of the issues Robinhood has had in the past 24 hours trading some crypto. Yeah, uh, look, Robinhood's doing a tremendous amount of crypto. It's it's it's, it's up just an extraordinary amount in the last last three or four days. Uh, again, are they able to handle handle volume? You know, when you handle volume like the way they did in last last week of January, you would think that they would end up really being uh, 
let, let's just say, uh, castigated by younger people who would then move to E-Trade or Swap. But it didn't. I mean, people keep opening accounts with them. They are the Midas touch. This is a 24-page complaint by the, by the state of Massachusetts. Now, we all probably think, wait a second, aren't we a federal, uh, federally followed, federal, federally uh, uh you know, authorized. We have the SEC. I mean, I always find these as being, are you kidding me? I mean, the state of Massachusetts, aren't you a member? Aren't you like the, the 49 other guys? But they can cause a lot of problems <laughs> if you're about to come public. Uh, if you come public, well, you don't want the state of Massachusetts suing you. Right. right? Uh, speaking to regulators, Jim, there's this these comments out of David Einhorn talking about what he called, I think, quasi- Anarchy ruling the markets, talking about some uh, very small cap names. And then this quote about Chamath and Elon, if regulators wanted Elon to stop manipulating, they should have done so with more than a light slap on the wrist when they accused him of manipulating Tesla shares in 18. Still, though, Jim, some believe that with Gensler now confirmed this week that things are going to change. Gensler's very sophisticated and he's not a I would say he's not a, a backslapper. Uh, he's not happy go lucky. I think he's going to look at the uh, at the mortgage. Uh, I think he's going to look at this Massachusetts. Uh, this thing, by the way, is not an idle complaint. I mean, Massachusetts is literally saying th- that regarding options trading, they're not doing the right thing. When when you see something like that, when you see violating company policy, that is what Gensler excels in. I mean, he. I think he may. I think he may look at this thing and just yeah. say, "This thing does not have the controls." Right. Well, are. Uh, really, really that, Jim, that, that belong at yeah. any securities firm, David. No, well, they, they learned the hard way, right? I mean, it was a, it was an unexpected, to say the least, event, what happened in GameStop. But I, I think there's little doubt, right. and certainly having spoken to many people around it since then, that if they didn't raise that $3 billion, they were done. Um, they were done. That was a bad weekend for them. Yeah, uh, but they but they lived to tell, yeah, you know, they lived to weekend. And one would total. expect that they're that they're risk management and that they realize what they really are, which is they're a broker dealer. Right. They're not. That's what they are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it was the uh, by the way, it was the AMC that really broke them. Not, not GameStop. Yeah. AMC. Right. No, it's AMC. The, you know, what's amazing, David? I, I'm a, I have a friend who got the call that Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was from Vlad. Vlad said, Vlad Tenem, of course, not Vlad Lenin. And, and, and Vlad said, look, I, I need $3 billion. And my friend said, well, uh, can I see a P&L? And, and apparently, Vlad, we don't know for sure, but I said, uh, P&L, <laughs> I just need the $3 billion. Now, David, even in this day and age, I think $3 billion is a lot of money to ask for without having a P&L. It is a lot. I agree. It is. Right? Yes. I mean, they could. Write, I'm sure they could have gotten together P and L. It's going needed. to be very. But they needed the three billion, David Pronto. Yeah, they they needed it immediately, if not sooner. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of like, well, you know, I mean, can we talk about it later? Send the three three billion in, and then we'll have a frank discussion. How do you come public when you got Massachusetts know, now on you like this? I don't know. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I yeah. mean, but it's a commonwealth. Maybe you just say the states are okay. It's a commonwealth. I guess what PA is a commonwealth. Virginia is a commonwealth. A, so you go with 47 others. I don't know, David. Yeah. I tried to get Vlad on the show last night. I, I can get. Hey, listen. I can get Jagdeep on, but I can't get Vlad. Don't know what's wrong. These with are you. all the first name people of this new generation. You got Jamie. You got uh, Jagdeep. <laughs> Jagdeep. Uh, and you got Vlad. Who else do you have, David? Well, you uh, got Elon, Elon, of course. Right. Elon. Yeah. Well, yeah. who else? Who is it? Who else is like sure of this era? Uh, Give me a sure. 
give you a share. Uh, how about uh, give me a share? How about Mr. Kitty? How about him? Little Kitty, Mr. What was his name? I forget. That guy. Roaring, roaring, roaring Kitty. Kitty. You, Thank I you. I come Carl. to you with. I come to you with diamond hands and yellow, and you give me nothing. I got nothing for you this morning. I got a lot going on. Carl, now, can I tell you, he doesn't understand pop culture or stock pop culture. Sad. I mean, there's got to be sad. another guy besides really, James in banking, right? <laughs> it, it's really sad. Dave, no, Dave doesn't work. DJ Saul. DJ Saul. DJ Saul. It's been almost ten years, Jim. David, I need three billion this weekend. Somewhere. I need three billion this weekend. All right, all right. I'll give it to you. I'll wire it over. I'll wire it. I promise to give you PNL later on. I'll give you the instructions. Guys, quick break. We're back in a moment. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. On this Friday, uh, what a week it has been between Q1 earnings, the J&J pause, the macro data, Coinbase and crypto, and obviously the record highs and futures looking to build on it this morning. Dow looks to open up 100. We're going to get that opening bell in about five minutes. We haven't talked a whole lot of vaccine or pharma yet. That brings us to Kramer's Mad Dash. You know something, Carl, a, a, a stock that's been left behind uh, that is almost quizzical is Pfizer. Now, here's a company that obviously has uh, the cure, so to speak, uh, for the hour at least. And that's what I want to go for, because what they've got is a vaccine that is considered to be incredibly effective. But you know what? It looks like because of all these variants, we're going to need a booster. Now, Pfizer makes a tremendous amount of money off the vaccines. I mean, maybe people feel it's a, a free. It's not. And that could really help them bridge what is regarded as being a very difficult patent cliff that they have in 2025 if we have to get a, a, a booster every year. Uh, Pfizer is very disliked. I mean, the, the price earnings multiple of Pfizer is one of the lowest in the market. It's, it sells at about 10 times next year if we get this additional booster, and it yields 4%. Carl, it just, it, it, to me, the amount of money it's making could allow it to bridge uh, what's the patent clip? Because they'll be able to buy somebody. That's been they've been an acquisitive company. So I just can't <laughs> believe that this thing doesn't trade higher. It's been a dog. Uh, it is. A, it's a good company, but it's amazing uh, scientifically and logistically what they've collectively been able to do. Jim B of A this morning points out we're going to do a billion jabs. By April 23rd, a billion jabs around the world for something that a year ago seemed unthinkable. And by the way, this journal story this morning uh, that says that J&J privately reached out to both Pfizer and Moderna and said, hey, look into plots and maybe we can speak with one voice. And the other two uh, declined. Yeah, it gave him the Heisman. I have to tell you that Dr. Borla, who is truly a scientist and a, uh, an intellectual, uh, was able to uh, rustle up what I think is probably the biggest freezer farm in the world up there in Kalamazoo. Uh, everything that they've done has been done right. They've been done independent. And I think a lot of people in this country recognize that maybe they owe their lives to Pfizer, but they don't want to own the stock. And I, I find that curious. I think the stock could represent great value. Um, you And it's funny, Jim. I know, I think I saw you yesterday tweeting, you know, 
starting to question the decision making behind the behind pulling or pausing, I should say, the J&J vaccine. Oh. Yeah. I mean, David, uh, th- this is such a small look. One person died. We never want that. But, David, I think that they've made it so that some states are already full and people don't want to take it because they think it's dangerous. The CDC, David, I think is, is kind of acting in a rookie fashion. The NIH seems to have lost touch with America. These people seem to be uh, not understand, David, that there's a resistance to taking the vaccine to begin with. And they just make it so that you even you're more scared. What about a simple label which just says, look, if you have X, go back to your doctor. But, David, this is a less danger. This is more dangerous than the flu shot that we uh, you go to Walgreens and take. That's not right, David. Less dangerous. And now they've made us feel like it's more dangerous. And then this J&J can't get these other guys to go with them. Now you really feel like, wait a second, you got this Baltimore facility, the emerging bio. You got this NIH, the CDC, really making you feel like maybe this vaccine's dangerous. You got New Hampshire saying no more masks. There's no social distancing anymore. People are on top of each other again. And it's not cured. We're getting 70,000 people getting this every day and 1,000 people dying. What is going on, David? Uh, well, I'm not the right person to ask, as you know. Um, it doesn't. Not, uh, well, you're my partner here. I, I mean, am your partner. Don't you ever worry about that or question that. No matter how okay. mean you might me, I, be to me, I will still be there, and I'll give you your three billion dollars this weekend, as I promised. But in terms of the variants, no, not, no Jim, I mean, you, you know, partner. in behaviors, you're right. Uh, you know, I, I, a lot of people don't have full answers. There is a belief, of course, in Michigan we've talked about because that, unfortunately, right now is the center of the worst outbreak amongst the states in the country. Right. And hospitalization rates are going higher there. and Deaths are, unfortunately, going higher as well. But the hope is the vaccines will overwhelm it all. And, and they likely will, Carl, uh, given the rate at which uh, vaccinations are taking place. But there is still a need to potentially be somewhat cautious in certain interactions if you're not vaccinated. Three of us, or at least I know Jim and I, are fully vaccinated. Jim, you and I are going to be back on this set together on Monday. Are we? Yes. Can we do a can we do a mad dash uh, with clasped hands? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. Clasp pants. Okay. Yeah. It's an I spy joke from a long time ago, about <laughs> oh. fifty years ago. Yeah. That- uh, look, I, I got to tell you that that the restaurants are getting open. You have to be half your uh, you have to put half the people in that you could. Otherwise, you basically have to uh, you have to do contact tracing. Now, I love you, David, but I'm not going to count contact trace you. No, I don't have that in me. Uh, OK, that's OK. But you know what, Carl? Testing is going to be with us for a very long time. Uh, and then when you, you know, it's funny when we have this conversation, I get back to thinking about reopening and about people coming back to offices and when that's going to fully happen and how businesses are going to be dealing with it and when they're going to potentially say, well, we'd really like you to get a vaccine. But can we require you to know? But when will you come back? We'd like you back and go from encouraging to perhaps being more disciplinary in approach. It, these are all key questions. A lot of people who run organizations are grappling with right now. Uh, as you know, as we move forward with we're fully reopening. Are you aware of the city program, David, the city group program? No. Tell me where they're making you know, they're, uh, people have to get tested at city. Uh, this is done in conjunction with uh, uh, Dr. Minna from Harvard. And uh, basically you, Monday, Wednesday and Friday before you come to the office, do a little test. I'm getting the Abbott test this, uh, this week. I'm going to start taking Abbott every day, David, because if I'm going to be that close to you, I got to protect myself from you and vice versa. 
Well, when you say something I, like that, I promise you, to test every day. You, really? I mean, wh- why would you do that? You've ta- you're fully vaccinated. You- the chances that you could actually catch anything Be- are extraordinarily low. I, I there are f- actually fifteen hundred people. Point zero zero eight percent. Fifteen hundred people. Yeah. True. Okay. Well, so why would you do that? I don't know. All right. Was a good idea. Is that a rational approach? Is that I, really based on the data? Is that how you would approach risk in other areas if you knew the actual data? No, but this one, you still have to quarantine periodically. Like, David, where the hell am I right now? I mean, everybody but the can you get the dog over here? Where the hell is Marley? I mean, this place. I mean, look, I'm like at home. The doorbell rings. The dog barks. This is amateur hour. It's a Ted Mac amateur hour. Carl, I can't stand it. I want to go back to the set. I mean, yesterday someone ordered my the kid ordered Chinese food in the middle of the mad money. I mean, this is nuts. It's a weird, it's a weird it. collision. Everybody who's worked from home understands the weird collision between your work and your family when you're when you're working at home. Um, but by the way, guys, yeah. to, you know, although there's a lot of optimism about vaccination, uh, we are nearing the all time high globally for cases. Uh, Canada, of course, Ontario's and not in good shape. Uh, India is still a mess. Uh, David, I see right so. now the head of the Tokyo Olympics is having to once again reassure the world that the games won't be canceled. Uh, because of the surge in cases in Japan. And by the way, we do have an upgrade of our parent Comcast, which relies heavily on the distribution of those games. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And obviously parts of Comcast business uh, in terms of theme parks, uh, for example, also impacted um, and movies, as we all know as well. You know, Jim, when we talk about other parts of the world, because we are doing quite well in vaccine distribution in this country, when we talk about the EU, we look at those Chinese growth numbers. Okay, they've been open for a long time. They're back to normal quite some time back. But what about worldwide growth and how you sort of try and interpret that and, 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 and infuse that into your overall view of the market at this point, given there's a lot of laggards out there when it comes to really combating the virus with vaccines right now? Well, look, I, I know that I personally thought that J&J would produ- be producing hundreds of millions this, this year. I think Pfizer's capable of doing that. But there's 7 billion people on the planet. And I think that the best doctors would tell you, given the fact that this is a we have no immunity against this, that unless we get everybody, then we're in trouble. Now, what's interesting is Israel's what, about 60 percent and they think that they've wiped it out. So we don't necessarily have to get to 100 percent. But so maybe we get to but we still need that would mean about five billion. David, there'll be countries that are off limits for years. If they don't get this solved. Right. I mean, just off limits. I mean, remember, Italy's not solved. My daughter's in Spain. She hasn't been able to leave Madrid for two years. Mm-hmm. She teaches English there. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, well, it's not ridiculous, but Spain doesn't have it under control. Italy, not under control. These are developed countries, David. Yeah. Well, Carla, we know the EU, while it did of. Af- well, a fairly good job in terms of containing the virus with with actions to do so. It is not done a particularly good job when it comes to uh, when it comes to distributing vaccines yet. And that that continues to be a key issue. Yeah. You know, guys, uh, I thought I don't know if you've seen this yet. It's kind of a long report, uh, 90 pages out of Kata Huberty uh, this morning, guys. But it's basically about the new workplace uh, and her argument Hello. that um, work from home is going to last longer than we think, and there are implications for technology on that, Jim, in her words, longer and higher, uh, because uh, the idea that we're just going to go right back to where we were in terms of office work is, is just not in the cards, she says. 
Look, the banks want it to happen. Uh, I, I think that they may want it to happen, but they'll often tell you, look, there are people who won't come back. Now, uh, one of the things that's happened in this era that's different from when I worked on, on Wall Street is there's, there's actually freedom of action. Uh, there are people who are saying to the top bosses, look, I, I can't come back. I have a comorbidity or I can't come back. I'm worried about some immune problems I have. And none of these companies is going to take on the risk of telling someone with that that they can't come back. So I th- and then there's also this hybrid model where people are saying, listen, Tuesdays and Fridays, I don't go into the office. Now, Carl, what's amazing to me is that the bosses are not saying, well, you're fired. It's almost as if they re- they're afraid of discrimination suits. Uh, they're afraid of suits that basically say these are protected class people. So uh, it is going to be a new play, a new workforce that basically says, hey, today's not my day. Uh, and there's going to be a substantial uh, change in the way office work is done and how the cubicles work and the offices work. I think it's really great um, for any company that does, uh, you know, when you rent a few offices at, at a given time, uh, including some firms that we thought were never going to make it. So I don't know, Carl, I, I have never seen CEOs have less power in my life. They can't get people to yeah. come to the office. Yep. Yep. What a basic thing that is gone. No, I'm not coming in today. Yeah. Well, are you sick? No, I'm not coming in today. I mean, David, I don't same, know. I no, mean, same, Jim. Same. Uh, Carl, I hear it Carl, all the time. I'm hearing it constantly. Right? And, and I mean, you're nailing it. It's uh, exactly the same conversation. Not sure what we can do, how we approach it. Maybe by September we start to make it clear. Well, maybe our culture and your view of our culture are two different things. And therefore, we should part ways. But they're not there yet. No. Yeah. And by the way, guys, add Georgetown to the list of the colleges that are going to be mandating vaccines for students in the fall. Uh, We do got record highs on the S&P again. Record high Dow. The VIX closer to 16 this morning than 17. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Hello, Carl. Happy Friday. Great week overall. We're up 1% on the S&P. All 11 sectors started on the upside, 2 to 1 advancing to declining stocks. This has been a really strong week every single day. I want to point out, tech's flattish today, but it's been fine this week. It's with the markets up about 1%, but it's defensive stuff that has lagged before that sort of caught up this week. So healthcare, for example, uh, and REITs uh, have been doing well. Uh, Healthcare REITs, uh, utilities also up about 2% so far this week. So the defensive are doing well. Banks up fractionally today, but actually banks have lagged this week. And there's two reasons that the banks have lagged this week. One is they tend to drop a little bit going into earnings season and immediately after that. And the second reason is, you know, other than the, the core numbers have been fairly tepid, the stuff the, the people who follow the economy care about, trading numbers have been fantastic for the big money center banks. But now you're getting into the big regional banks where the economy is more important overall to what they're doing. So look at PNC today. Had a big provision release. They had a huge beat on earnings, but it was a provisions release. Uh, there was some other things that was in there uh, that was uh, that was important for them. But look what what I call the economy stuff. Average loan balance was down 2%. Net interest income was down 3%. Net interest income and margins were lower because there were fewer loans out there and there were lower securities yields overall. So that's the stuff people care about. Net interest income and loans, 
they were all kind of on the tepid side. All the banks basically reported this. Yes, trading activity was amazing for many of the big money center banks. But look at the response to the market. We had these blowout earnings from these companies this week. And this is what they've done this week. Pretty tepid response, given the amazing numbers. That's because the street's looking through it and saying, well, how's the actual real economy numbers doing? Eh, it's fair, but not amazing overall. Meantime, if you look at what's really going on in terms of like sectors that are lagging, some of the thematic tech stuff has been lagging recently as the markets move forward. And boy, these electric vehicle stocks, I mean, these stocks were just darlings of the media five, six months ago. Uh, and most of them are down 20, 25, 30 percent this month, this week, uh, and well off of their highs. Some of them are 50 percent off their highs. I mean, plug power was just a tremendous darling towards the end of last year. All of these companies, of course, have tremendous potential in the future. None of them are making any money right now. Of course, you don't see on the list here is Tesla. Tesla's had a good week overall, Carl, up. But uh, these stocks have had a fun, stunning uh, fall from grace just just in the last couple of months. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob, thanks. Uh, Bob Pisani, obviously you got to keep your eye on uh, the 10-year, which had an interesting day yesterday. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Carl. You know, there's so many ways to look at yesterday. I like to keep things simple. Consider yesterday a technical violation of an important level. Now, look at an intraday chart of 10s. Uh, what you'll see is, of course, at 8.30 Eastern, we went zoom, zoom, zoom. And that's because we had pretty good data. But you might be saying... Well, yesterday was the data really, you know, that bad to make interest rates go down? And yeah, maybe claims were a bit disappointing, but I say the answer is no. It was technical. Now, as you look at a two-day, I can give you a, a virtual reasons why it was technical. First of all, look at yesterday's low, 1.52%. And where did the violation start from? 160. Now, if you open the chart up, to the 24th of February, here's what's interesting. I can't show you an intraday that far back. Okay, it's too many days back. But I'll tell you, on the 25th, that spike there to the right, that little spike, that close is 152, where we held yesterday. You know what the intraday high was that day we closed at 152? Yes, that was the day we had the 161 spike. Comes down, settles at 152. That was the low yesterday. That was the violation. Technical. Now look at the knob. The knob's starting to firm up a bit. It gave us early warning when it started to move lower and flatten that maybe the long-dated treasuries are running out of virtual horsepower to the upside and yield downside in price. That might be abating. We might be coming into support levels. And finally, the euro versus dollar. Why am I showing this? Because the dollar index has been under pressure. It's down uh, pretty substantially for the week, probably because the euro dollar at 57% of that is up nicely, closing at the best levels in well over a month. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll talk to you soon. Rick Santelli. Uh, later this morning, as we wrap up this inaugural week of Tech Check, uh, do not miss an interview with Airbnb's Brian Chesky at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Shares of the company, by the way, up about uh, 19% so far this year. More Squawk on the Street continues in a minute. Well, guys, uh, at this time of the week, I'd like to go over uh, the Landscape for SPACs, um, which, of course, we've spent so much time talking about this year, given their importance in the capital markets, the importance they've had to uh, any number of investment banking firms. We've, of course, seen numbers from Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. You know, Goldman says only 15 percent or so of ECM, if I recall. But uh, they have been an important component, but they have been slowing down dramatically in terms of issuance. And this week is less than last week. Last week was less than the week prior to that. 
you can take a look. Uh, still out there looking for deals, 431 uh, filed, not yet public, 245, and uh, there's the proceeds raised. But what about this week? Well, there are only two. There are only two SPAC IPOs and three Ooh. companies that filed. Uh, Jim. So, you know, it really is slowing down dramatically. And I want to talk about the IPO market itself because it's been an interesting week on that. But I will say one thing, Jim, you know, we talk so often about the SEC and I would point out uh, that today two SPACs that filed to go uh, that are going public both don't have warrants. Warrants, of course, have been a key component of all of these deals, typically struck at $11.50. Remember, the shares sold usually at 10. Uh, but the SEC, you know, has created some uncertainty in terms of accounting for those and the treatment of SPAC warrants. And so you've got a halt in a lot of new registrations. And you've recently seen a, a few of these without warrants. Uh, Jim, not just SPACs, but it was a weird week for IPOs. We focused so much on Coinbase yesterday. Not good performance from those other companies that came public. Uh, and so, you know, we see this sometimes. We don't know if it augurs for a difficulty perhaps in the future for, broadly speaking, actual IPOs as opposed to just SPAC IPOs, but worth pointing out as well. Well, look, the market's exhausted from these. Some of them have been breaking down systematically every day, particularly anything that's uh, EV. And I think Gensler is someone who is a very sophisticated regulator who will say, I don't understand how you can make these projections from Romeo Power and be wrong six months later. You know what? We're going to eliminate projections. Or, or, or he may just say entirely, you know what? Let's put a pause on this thing. I want to study it. Uh, the previous administration was kind of a, I told you it was a Cole Porter song was anything goes. Uh, and that's over. Uh, Gensler is too much of a regulator. I, by the way, Clayton was just a terrific guy. I mean, really nice guy. But you know what, David? That historically has not been. Uh, criterion for a tough SEC uh, commissioner. No, no. Uh, nice guy's not necessarily in the job right. description. Uh, that's right. And, no. And, and to your point, it's not just sort of some unusual structures or warrants, but it is also, and we've talked about it a lot, the projections that are made, because they can be, they aren't, they aren't beholden to the same things as you are in an S-1. Uh, that said, yesterday we did see another company come public that, you know, autonomous trucks with a subscription service that also had paltry revenues and is basically all on the come, Jim. Well, well you know, uh, Kathy Wood loves these. Yes, she She's bought been a lot one, of that stock. It, yeah. it, it, yes, she did. If an EV leaf blows into her desk, she'll buy it. And that's, I don't mean that as being any slight at all. That's something Larry Kudlow used to say. It would be like, and that person really doesn't know anything. With all due respect, that person is really terrible. But with respect. Um, but, yeah, she bought a lot of that one. And I, I said to we're myself, talking about wow, too simple. I, I just want to make it clear, yeah, which we talked to the CEO yeah, yesterday. Too, it was too yeah. simple. Yeah. yeah it was too- <laughs> the whole thing was too simple. <laughs> I wonder she, where she is with Jagdeep Singh. Oh, no, I'm oh. not kidding. David, there is not a lot of due diligence being done. Now, oh, everyone, kidding. no one would ever claim that they didn't do a lot of due diligence. Like when I was selling soda at, uh, at Veteran Stadium in the 70s, I did a great deal of due diligence on Coca-Cola. I'm sure you did. Before I sold it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you yeah, did. Check the label. Yeah. Girl. Hey, I got, when I did ice cream, I didn't do enough due diligence. Hey, I got ice cream, vanilla and chocolate. I had not studied it enough, but boy, I was still good. <laughs> Carl. I'm all about. I, I love hearing about all your old jobs, Jim. Uh, let's take a break here. Um, market obviously having a little incremental gain over yesterday, about 25 points away now from 4,200. All right, Jim. Uh, what's coming up tonight? 
Well, look, one of the things that happened in this back row is the attacks. And here I've got this outfit, Scorpion, that is just putting the really putting the wood to uh, Jagdeep Singh, who is the executive who runs QuantumScape. So you know what? Jagdeep's firing back. He's coming on Mad Money. He's going to make his statement, say why Scorpion may not be right when it says when Scorpion says that this is the next Theranos. You know, Carl, but you really don't just in terms of the scheme of things, you don't really want to be uh, called the next Theranos because it's about the most damning thing you can do. And I think Jagdeep deserves his uh, day in court and he's going to get it tonight on Mad Money. Uh Jim, we look forward to that. we got a few seconds left. I guess I'll just ask you about next week and the next couple of weeks uh, as earnings continue to pour in. You know, one thing that's been said is that it's not like um, a few quarters ago where the analysts had no clue in the fog of war of COVID what the numbers were going to be. The fact that they're beating on pretty a decent um, intelligence says something. Yes, they were way too conservative, particularly on tech. Uh, and I've got to tell you, people are starting to realize, wow, things are much better than expected. And I think it's going to matter. I think we could still go even higher than we are. Wow. Jim, Big. good weekend. Big Look call. forward to Big seeing weekend. you uh, tonight. You and, of course, back on set next week. Yep. Uh, we'll get uh, Squawk on the Street continues. No more dog. No more fire <laughs> alarms. No more doorbells. No more wife yelling at me. No more Chinese food. <laughs> You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.